Hello and welcome to Cumber Baptist Church Podcast. The following is taken from our morning service, Sunday 21st of July, 2019. This morning we are joined by Pastor Clifford Morrison, who takes his reading from Psalm 23, and brings us a message entitled, How to Get Right, and Stay Right, with God. We're singing that for the first time. Good, you made a good effort, that was great, well done. Now let's turn to Psalm 23 please. We are focusing our attention on this tremendous psalm under the general title of God's Open Secrets. God's Open Secrets. Last Sunday morning, how can we be satisfied? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Last Sunday evening, how... Do we handle stress? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. This morning, how to get right and stay right with God. Let's hear the word of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, with our Bibles open, we thank you for your precious word of truth. We pray again this morning what we often pray. Lord, teach us what we do not know. Give to us what we do not have. May the words of my mouth And the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I have a question for you this morning as we continue our series of studies in this 23rd Psalm. What do the following men have in common? Jacob, David, Samson, Simon Peter, John Mark. What do they have in common? Well, they are children of God who knew what it was to be out of fellowship with God. But they also experienced the restoring grace of God that brought them back into fellowship with God. And maybe if we are honest with ourselves this morning, we too could add our names to that list. It's in the nature of sheep to wander. It's in the nature of sheep to go astray and get away from the shepherd. There's a line of an old hymn that goes like this, Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And if we're honest at times, maybe in our heart of hearts, we do have that natural feeling. It's the nature of the sheep to wonder, but it's the nature of the shepherd to restore his sheep. 
And no wonder David, who at times wondered from God, glorified God and was delighted to write, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We're thinking this morning of how to get right with God and how to stay right with God. How to get right with God if you're not right with God and if you are right with God and if you get right with God, how to stay right with God. If we're not right with God, well, we need to get right with God through his Son, the Lord Jesus. We need to be brought into a relationship in Christ and through Christ, by which we are at peace with God, clothed in the perfect righteousness, being able to say, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. And if we are right with God, we need to stay right with God. And that is what David is talking about here in this third verse. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Many of us have become familiar with the word backslider. And a backslider is not someone uh, that is lost. But a backslider is a safe person who is out of fellowship with God. Is it not, is it not true to say you have to be somewhere before you can slide back? But a backslider is still a child of God. God speaks of himself as being married to the backslider. There is a bond in Christ that cannot be broken. By what, but whilst that relationship cannot be broken, fellowship with God can be fractured, and joy can be lost as a result of that fracture. And therefore, like the psalmist of old, we need to pray, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Notice David didn't pray in Psalm 51, Restore unto me your salvation. He never had lost his salvation, but it lost the joy of his salvation. And he wanted to be restored, and God did restore him, and David could say, he restores my soul. And as we think of this this morning and flesh this out and amplify this this morning, I want us to think of three great truths. I want us to think, first of all, about the ministry of the shepherd. You see, the psalm is not just about the sheep. The psalm is also about the shepherd. And David thought of himself as a sheep and the Lord as his good shepherd. And that's what Jesus is. He's called the good shepherd. And when we think of that, there are three things that the Lord does when his sheep stray. There are three types of sheep that need to be restored. There is what we might call the stubborn sheep. Have you ever met any stubborn sheep? Well, you might need to go home and look into the mirror and see one. What are stubborn sheep? Sheep who insist on having their own way. Sheep that are mullish. Is that what the Bible says? In Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And we want our own way. And uh, we get very stubborn. And sometimes stubborn sheep need to be restored. But not only stubborn sheep, but strange sheep. 
These sheep do not willfully stay away. They just weakly and carelessly go away. And many times they fall into pits and crevices and they get entangled in the thorns and they get away from the shepherd and they get into precarious places and they need to be restored and they need to be brought back to the security and the safety of the fold. So they're stubborn sheep. And they're strange sheep. And there are sick sheep. Not six, but sick. Sick sheep. Sheep can get sick. There are many enemies and many diseases and many things that might poison or wound or harm the sheep. And sick sheep need to be restored. Now it's the ministry of the shepherd to restore these kind of sheep. And I want you to see how he does it. How does the good shepherd, how does the Lord restore stubborn sheep? And if you're a stubborn sheep, how does he restore you? Well, he has three instruments that he uses here. He has a rod, he has a staff, and he has a bottle of oil. And he uses all these three to restore the sheep. He restores the sheep with the rod. We might ask the question, what was the shepherd's rod? Well, he would go and find a little sapling and he would dig it up by its roots, take a sharp knife to cut away the roots and from that knob work it and smooth it until it was just right and then he would take that knob and begin to drive nails and metal into it until it was witty and became a very heavy club or weapon. He would be there on the hillside for many weeks with nothing to do, watch the sheep and work that rod. He would throw it and throw it and it became a deadly missile. He came to know how to use it as a club. And it was used to protect himself from the robbers. It was used to protect the sheep from the lions and the wolves and wild dogs and scavengers that would be there on the hillsides. But sometimes he had to use the rod on the sheep himself and the rod itself would become a form of correction to the sheep. Sometimes if there would be a sheep very stubborn, the shepherd would do something very drastic, very severe. He would take that rod and break one of the legs of the sheep, just break the leg, and after he had done that, he would immediately bind that leg and put it into a splint. He would wrap up the leg of the sheep and try and heal that sheep, and get it back to what it was. He would lift that sheep and carry it on his shoulders until the leg was mended. He would carry that sheep whose leg was broken and being mended, he would carry it around on his shoulders and mature it and he would pour in the oil to the wound and finally when the leg was healed, he would restore the sheep to its feet. That's a very interesting thing. That sheep had been broken and healed would stay very close to the shepherd. You go out to the east and talk to some of the shepherds. They would tell you that. That that sheep would stay by his side everywhere the shepherd went he would want to follow closely. You see, the sheep who have been broken and restored will be close to the shepherd as never before as a result of that experience. Listen to what the prophet Hosea says in Hosea chapter 6 and verse 1. He says, come and let us return unto the Lord, for he has torn and he will heal us. He has smitten and he will bind us up. You see, the same God that breaks us is the God that binds us in order that we might return to him. We sometimes sing hymns 
And I wonder, do we fully realize what we're singing? And I say to myself, those same words, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Break me, melt me, mold me, fill me. Sometimes our mind rushes to the filling, but there's a progression to the filling. Break me, melt me, mold me, fill me. The same God is the God who not only breaks, but the God that binds in order that we might return to him. And that's what David meant when he said in one of his psalms, I was afflicted. I went astray. And then he said, it's good for me that I have been afflicted. Jacob, the patriarch, was the shepherd who got away from God. He met with God. He wrestled with God. And the Bible says that God put Jacob's thigh out of joint. He was crippled. The Lord himself wounded this man of God. And all the rest of his life, Jacob had walked, leaning on a staff. We read this morning from Hebrews chapter 12. But in Hebrews chapter 11, when Jacob came to the end of his life, we're told that by faith he worshipped, by faith when he was dying, leaning on a staff. Why does the Bible put that there? Well, I think the Bible puts that there to teach us a lesson. Sometimes we have to learn to lean. Learning to lean. Learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. He was broken that he might be blessed. What does God sometimes do to his sheep? Well, he chastens them. Not because he doesn't love them, but the the very opposite. That's what Hebrews chapter 12 is all about. It wasn't joyful when a sheep got its leg broken, but yet it brought peace and fruitfulness to the shepherd. What was the fruit? Well, we read of it in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful. You know, when I had to be disciplined, I didn't say, whoopee, it's discipline time. There's nothing like it. And I lived in those days when certain parts of the anatomy made contact with certain little instruments. And they used to be used now for stirring porridge. But in those days, they had a use outside stirring porridge. And you know what I mean if you're alert this morning. I didn't say, whoopee, the wooden spoon's coming out. We're going to have a great time. It is discipline time. Wow. No, we don't talk like that. It's painful at times. But in later years, we see and sense the worth of it. It yields its peaceful fruit of righteousness. Notice what he says here. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. And if we've been like a stubborn sheep, and this kind of chastisement comes to us, there are three things that we can do. We can resent it. And that would be very foolish for you and me to do that. Because this kind of chastening reveals your sonship. It wasn't that the shepherd didn't love the sheep. The very opposite was true. That's why he applied the discipline. And that's why we discipline our children, because we love them. We care for them. That's why we say, don't go down to the shed. 
Don't go there. What do you not understand about that? Keep away from those folk. They're doing you harm. Why do we discipline them? Because we love them. If we didn't love them, we would just let them go and roam and do whatever they wanted to do. Scourging is not just a little spanking, but something more serious. If we run with the world and God doesn't chase me, well, look at verse 8. Maybe we're not his children at all. Maybe we are illegitimate sons. Maybe we're not truly his. We can resent it. But notice something else. This kind of chastening renews our worship. We see that in verse 9. We give them reverence because we knew that they had a standard and we knew that they loved us and sought to lead us in the right way. And we thank God that they did not allow us to do what we wanted to do and go where we always wanted to go. The week that I became a Christian, I never intended to be at the meeting. I had the week all planned. I was playing football every night. Had there been eight nights in a week, I was playing football on the eighth night. But my dad said, uh, there's no football this week. There's the mission on, and we'll be going to the mission. And that night, I found the Savior. And four other young guys from the BB found the Savior that night as well. In the back row of the gallery of a Presbyterian church in North Belfast. Thank God for a father that never let me have my way all the time. That brings about a sense of appreciation, a sense of worship. God is not in the business to make us happy and healthy, but to make us holy. And sometimes chastening is part of the instrument that he used to produce that holiness. You see, this chastening reveals our sonship. This chastening renews our worship. This chastening restores our fellowship. You see, no chastening has pleasure in it. When you felt that rod from your earthly father, we didn't say, this is great, this is wonderful, this is tremendous, I'm so happy. You're such a loving and wise old dad. We went down the stairs. I remember at nine-year-old, I was leaving home. So I had the case and all packed. Don't know where I was going to sleep that night, but I was leaving home. And my uncle came to the door that night and I was in the huff and I was upstairs in my room and I told him all that happened. He says, right, come on, we're going. So I went out the door with my case back, holding him by the hand and he slammed the door and shut up, we'll have a back. I walked across the road with him. It was dark, the stars were in the sky. And I said, where are we going? He said, we're going over the park. I said, but, but it's locked up, doesn't matter, we'll climb over the gate. We'll make a cot. Doesn't matter. We'll make a cot. We're going to sleep. We're going to sleep on the bench. I've never slept on the bench all night. And he built up this whole story. And I said, he called him Eve. I said, Uncle Eve, if you don't mind, I think I'd rather go home. Sometimes a wee boy of nine needs to learn that chastening is as much loving as cuddles. And that's what this psalm is teaching us this morning. Old Jacob worshipped leaning on a staff. And that sheep that had his leg broken never wanted to stray away from the shepherd again because he had been broken, he had been wounded, he had been healed, he had been brought back. We can despise chastening. We can faint under chastening. 
There are the stubborn who go away from God and God brings chastisement and they just throw up their hands and they faint and they just quit. They become spiritual dropouts and that's a terrible thing. Don't despise or faint under the chastening hand of God. Be exercised by it and see it as God's loving purpose for your heart and for your life. We see that this morning in the ministry of the shepherd. He not only speaks of a rod here, but he speaks of a staff. He speaks of a staff. We call it uh, 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 the shepherd's crook. And often he would have lifted the sheep from the pit and from the danger. That's what David said in Psalm 40. He lifts me up from the married clay. He has set my feet upon a rock. He's established my going. He would take that staff. He would guard, guide, and lift. He would retrieve, retrieve that sheep to himself. The sick sheep. Each night the shepherd would bring the sheep into the sheepfold. You remember, we're told that the shepherd is not only the shepherd of the sheep, he's the door of the sheepfold. And inside the sheepfold, the sheep were safe, but at the door, the shepherd himself positioned his body across that opening and no one could come in or out outside his permission. Remember what he said, I am the door of the sheep. I am the one that lets them in. I am the one who lets them out. No one can get in except by my permission. And as they would come in each night, and this is what the shepherd would do. He would count them. He would call them by name. He would caress them. He would take them up in his arms and he would be looking for any scars, any bruises, any scabs, any wounded places, any lacerations. And when the shepherd would find such things as these, uh, he would pour in his oil. And oil in the Bible is a picture of the, the Holy Spirit. Thank God this morning for the Holy Spirit, for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the one who comforts, the one who soothes, the one who enables us to resist Satan's evil insects that come to destroy and annoy. Our shepherd knows, our shepherd cares, our shepherd feels. He calls us by name. He knows us one by one. He restores and he heals and he bids them come and bring them. He brings them back to himself. The stubborn had been broken, the strayed had been retrieved, the sick had been healed. Oh, what a shepherd. The ministry of the shepherd. Quickly, as we close this morning, uh, the mastery of the shepherd. Not only does he restore our souls, but he leads us into the paths of righteousness. This is very important. You see, he restores us that he might master, lead, and guide us. And sometimes all we're interested in is getting the stores. Well, that is good, and that needs to be seen as to be good. But we need to see that that's part of a ministry that brings us not only from the place of distance and the, 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 the place of restoration, but it brings us into the place of righteousness. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. This is all part of the restoring ministry. You see, a restored sheep ought to follow closer than ever. Isn't it Jesus who said that he who has been given much ought to love much? And God wants us to stay close to the heavenly shepherd that he might master us, that he might lead us, that he might guide us along the pathway of righteousness. 
In order to follow the shepherd, we need to be obsessed with the sheep. We need to be, in order to follow the shepherd, we need to be observed, obsessed with the shepherd. We need to observe the shepherd. We need to obey the shepherd. We need to be obsessed with the shepherd. We need to love him. We need to love him. You know, this is the season of sport. And uh, even Margaret has got interested in the Open. Amazing, isn't it? How at 25 past 6 in the morning, over 5,000 people gather to see a man hit a wee white ball, hope that he gets where he intended to be. Why do they do that? Because they love it. They love it. Should I not love my Savior more? Men travel thousands of miles to watch their heroes and spend a lot of money to watch their heroes. Should I not give and be given to one who gave himself for me? You see, restoration leads to righteousness. We become obsessed with the shepherd. We become observant of the shepherd. We look at him. And the more we look at him, the more we love him. We obey the shepherd. My shepherd, hear my voice. You see, you can't obey anybody whose voice you don't hear. And how you're going to obey your shepherd's voice, you're going to have that quiet time in the green pastures, chewing the cut of his word, meditating upon his word, hearing his voice. Hearing his voice. Where do I hear the voice of God? I've said it before. I hear the voice of God and the word of God. Here is God's voice to me this morning. If God is going to speak to me, he will speak to me through his word. The words that I speak unto you, said Jesus, they are spirit and they are life. Hearing his voice in every line. Making each faithful saying, My. He will lead you in paths of righteousness. That's the mastery of the shepherd. We're so thankful for the restoring ministry of our shepherd. When we're down, he lifts us up again and again. But listen, wouldn't you like to get up and stay up? Wouldn't you rather be a force for God rather than always being a casualty needing to be restored? God doesn't want us to have a restoration mentality, but experience being led in paths of righteousness. The ministry of the shepherd. The, ma the, the, the mastery of the shepherd. Just in closing this morning, we have the majesty of the shepherd. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. His name. What's the name of the shepherd? Well, we already know it's the first word in the first verse. Jehovah is my shepherd. The Lord, Yahweh, the most holy name for God in all the Bible. The Lord, Jehovah, is my shepherd. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, he leads me for his name's sake. You see, God's name, God's honor is at stake by the way you and I live. 
When you go into the office in the morning, when you go into the shop in the morning, when you go into the workplace in the morning, when you go down to the supermarket in the morning, when you go out into your neighborhood in the morning, you carry God's name. And by the way you and I live, people talk about God. People's idea of the shepherd are so often formulated by the behavior of the sheep. The shepherd's reputation is based on the behavior and the welfare and the obedience of the sheep. Jesus taught us to pray, didn't he? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Solomon in his song said, his name is as ointment poured forth. Jehovah is his name. This is the most solemn name for God in the Old Testament, yet it's not found once in the New Testament. you know why? Because Jesus is our Jehovah. He said, I am the good shepherd. The name Jesus means Jehovah saves. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. And if he is my shepherd and I am his sheep, I do not want to disgrace that lovely name. What a lovely name. The name of Jesus. The wise writer says, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. A father will say to his children, going into that big world, remember who you are and whom you serve. God says to people, remember who you are. You're my sheep, the people of my pasture, and my name is linked to you. I want to lead you in paths of righteousness for my name's sake. What keeps us going on this morning? Is it not this great truth that the Lord restores us when we stray? That the Lord leads us day by day? Is there a burning desire within your heart to give glory to that name? There's an old hymn goes something like this, I know a soul that is steeped in sin uh, that no man's art can cure, but I know a name, a precious name, that makes that soul all pure. I know a life that's lost to God, bound down by the things of earth, but I know a name, a precious name, that can bring that soul to birth. Jesus, oh, how sweet the name. How to get right and how to stay right. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The ministry of the shepherd the master of the shepherd and the majesty of the shepherd. May we hear his voice and may we follow his leading for his name's sake. Amen.